When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, into this edition of ESPN FC. Alongside Craig Burley, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Lots to get to on today's edition of the show, but we'll start in the Premier League. Crystal Palace hosting Manchester United, United squad that entered the day one point back of second place City, nine points back of Arsenal. They end up sharing the points with Crystal Palace. Bruno Fernandes opening the scoring in the 43rd minute. Palace getting a late equalizer. Beautiful. Free kick from Michael Olise. Casemiro with a late chance to win it. Missed. He also picked up a yellow card, which means he'll miss out on Manchester United's showdown with Arsenal in league play. For more on this, we welcome into the show Jan Agafjortov and Gab Marcotti. Gentlemen, great to have you with us. But Craig, uh, I'll start with you. What would you make of Manchester United's performance? Do you know, just before that Olise free kick, I was going to say, this is solid mm. from Man United. Controlled the first half, controlled possession. Palace are struggling in the front line, the, the, the final third, they don't create a lot. And it looked really, really comfortable. Yeah, they were under a bit more pressure in the second half. You can criticise them for not killing the game off. A super free kick to finish it. But, but yeah, I think you saw it with Ten Hag's face at the end. Just two points thrown away. Can you criticise the approach? Like at one nothing, not going for that second goal? No, I think they, they did. And I think Rashford got himself in some good positions and maybe tried to overcomplicate it a little bit. I'm trying, to th- and the definitely for me should have had a. I think should have had a penalty when McTominay went down from the Richards challenge. Obviously, it was checked. Uh, they said nothing, nothing to see here. Uh, but yeah, they just did not kill the game off, and and they've been really, really solid actually for the last what ten or so games. But but today a body blow right at the end, and as I say, chasing Arsenal that's a big blow. Jan, what was missing today for Manchester United? The intensity of the game, and as Craig was saying, not to kill off the game. But I think at this stage of the development of Manchester United, they're not good at that. Okay, in all competition, they won nine in a row now before for this game. But it was quite typical that that goal Manchester United scored. That was Bruno Fernandes and Christian Eriksen. They were like playing in the park. I mean, show the quality pass forward and back, and suddenly Fernandes makes that one nil. But there was terrible nine minutes for them. First, he, um, he was shaking his head, Ten Hag, for like one minute after Casemiro got that fourth yellow card. Card, And then Olise, I mean, what a free kick. But somehow, in the second half, you got the feeling that Crystal Palace got more and more confidence that they could get something out of it. But still, they needed something special to, to earn themselves a, a point. Gab, we applauding Crystal Palace? Or are we focusing here on the two points dropped by Manchester United? Well, it's it's tough. I mean, there was also, I guess, the uh, uh, the chance in, in the first half where De Gea made a made a brilliant uh, uh, save off of Edouard, which I thought was against the run of game, uh, run of play. But and look, I think while it's going to smart, you know, the fact that you could have been what potentially if you beat Arsenal on on Sunday, uh, you could have been what two points, three points back um, uh, as of Sunday night. Instead, uh, you're going to be a lot further back. And your chances of beating Arsenal are going to be much lower without uh, without Casemiro. But you know, let's not forget this was a team that you know they they were playing a centre forward who, who was making his debut for them, and and, and Bob Veghorst, who's very different from the guys they had before. That's going to take time. Um, so, I mean, for me, I think we give we give United a pass on this one uh, after nine, those nine wins in a row. Craig, let's go back to that penalty because I think we've got the, the video of it. You thought it was a penalty? I, I, I personally thought it was a penalty because McTominay gets in there first. Richards makes the challenge. There's a better angle from behind. You'll see here. I mean, there'll be some that, sit, there'll be some that argue, oh, there's not much contact. Or I, I don't think McTominay, for me, McTominay deviates at all. I don't think he tries to throw himself into Richards. I think there's a genuine attempt at a challenge, I think it was a little clumsy, and McTominay was just a little quicker to get there. And I felt United had a good shout for a penalty there, I really did. 
Jan, you agree? No, I don't agree. I think it was not a penalty. But having said that, I don't think McTominay was looking for a penalty. It was not a dive or something. I think that Richards got that little touch on the ball and then he got uh, a bit uh, uh, McTominay uh, out of balance and then he goes down. They, they checked it and I think they saw that. I've seen it many, many times now and, and I see that little touch on the ball and maybe that what was uh, uh, VAR not giving it. But uh, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, if, if they gave it, we wouldn't wouldn't say that it was a big, big mistake uh, from, from the referee, but I don't feel that was a penalty. Jan, what about your boy uh, Val Veghorst? We got to see him today. What do you think of his performance? Well, first of all, it's, it's interesting with Veghorst because he's a, he's a tall guy. Everybody thinks he's a fantastic head road ball. He's not. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but he's much better with his feet than people think. Uh, and before the, for the game today, Ten Hag was asked, so we're going to do a lot of crosses now. No, 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 no. That is not his game. So they, they, have, they have bought uh, or got in a, a link-up player. He's a very good link-up player. He's also good, he's good to impressing the ball. So Ten Hag will make him a lot better. In the game today, it's interesting. Before this game that Manchester United had a, the least uh, uh, crosses in, in the whole Premier League but when you get a, a tall guy up front you start crossing the ball he was okay uh, he had a good game had so good some links he had a heading that was not a big chance but that was his uh, big chance but he's, he's been in Manchester for, for two days and I'm 100% sure that Ten Hag will improve him and not only will he improve him if he, I also think that he will improve Manchester United Craig, can I read you something here from Ten Hag after the game? I have to criticize my team. Go for the second. Bruno and Rashi on the wings. Garnacho, a lot of creativity, speed and power. And McTominay with penetration uh, behind. Is he being too harsh there? Uh, well, he set standards. What? They've set some standards. And he wanted to, he's disappointed. It's the end of the game. He's talking to the press or the TV. He wanted the three points, to, they, they, clearly. The free kick was a body blow. They had a debutant in, as Gab mentioned. Uh, Anthony, again, was... He was also just OK on the wing. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's just a reaction to, to the way they dropped the points and the fact that he's going to be missing Casemiro yep. for the Arsenal game. Go on, Gab. No, uh, I, I agree with Greg. I think he's being... A little bit, a little bit harsh. Let's not forget also that uh, Palace have so much pace and so much one-to-one um, uh, ability on on the counterattack. So you know, it's easy to sit here and say, "Oh well, they could should have gone for the second. You know, uh, it, it, it's not like you know you're playing the little sisters of the poor here. You're playing Crystal Palace, who who I think can be a good side. And in the end, you were undone by a worldie of of, of a free kick. You know. In stoppage time, so you know, in those circumstances, I mean, I, I think it's difficult to, to to go over the top of the criticism. I mean, it's not too long ago, guys, that they were right going to West London and getting smashed at Brentford. I mean, it's a fair <laughs> amount of time, but it's not 18 months ago. It's it's a few months. So I, I think they've come a long way. There was a lot of yeah. I would say getting carried away after the the Man City game, but maybe it's been a good run of form. It's been a good run. It's been a great run of form. And, you know, there's been talk of the title race and we embellished that as well ourselves and, and so did I. And th that may be the case. But there's no doubt at the moment, you know, particularly Arsenal are the, are the proper package. And United are, they're a work in progress. Yeah. That's what they are. Now, I thought they were going to see this game out at, at Crystal Palace, but they didn't. And... That's something I just have to reflect on. Jan, last word to you on uh, United here. Go ahead. Yeah, Craig and myself, we talked about this for, for, for a long time and, and it's, it's a work in progress. I think that they go in the right direction. They define the roles in the team. That's why he got in Vegas because that kind of player he wants to have in his team. When you define your roles in the team, it's also easier to buy players, to get players in. Manchester United have given out a lot of money for players, but maybe not the players they needed for that position But because the philosophy of the coach wasn't that clear. I, I, you can see what Ten Hag is trying to do. He's pragmatic. He's not like this Ajax kind of coach that wants to do everything like by Ajax. At the moment, it's all about winning games. And I don't think, I think he will admit that they are not title contenders yet because they don't have this ability to kill off football games. Manchester United Crystal Palace then finishes at one apiece. Big game tomorrow is Manchester City 
host Tottenham. City right there chasing Arsenal. Spurs right now fifth in the table. Uh, Craig, who comes into this game more desperate? Uh, I think City. Uh, expectations are obviously a lot higher. Performances have been poor, certainly in the final third. Uh, particularly the Manchester Derby, but also the Cup game at Southampton. And before that, before the World Cup, there was Brentford at home. Yes, they beat uh, Liverpool and uh, obviously it was a big result for them. But I, I think they need to get back on the horse quickly and get up and running again. And I think Guardiola himself has talked about body language uh, in the last couple of weeks. I, I've heard rhetoric coming from him that I haven't really heard before. Not not quite questioning his players, but, but almost. And I think we're going to see a response, a response from, from Man City. I really do. Mm. Jan, do you agree with Craig? You think City, despite the fact they're higher up in the table, need this more than Spurs? Yes, because it's, 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 it's the expectations, isn't it? And uh, we've seen it this season. There have been, been games there where De Bruyne and Haaland has kind of saved them. We, we had some, some of those games. Uh, again, when they were 1-0 up against Manchester United before those crazy three minutes, you just felt that they will kind of win this easily. They will kind of control it. But, but they don't have that ability and they don't create so many chances as we're used to by, by Manchester City. And also I spent a lot of time in England now. It's quite interesting to see now how everything now, everything Arsenal doing uh, is so good. Everything Manchester City is doing, everything is is wrong there. So I think they're, they're desperate to kind of turn this uh, wave, so to say, around. Because uh, for now, uh, the day before that game and, and some days before the Arsenal-Manchester United game, it's all about Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. And Pep Guardiola can try to be, try to be funny, try to do his understatements, but he is desperate to win the title. He's desperate to win a football game. And they need to start tomorrow against Spurs. If City win, if City win... What do you think we'll hear from Antonio Conte, Craig, in the post-match press conference? <laughs> I saw you tweeting about it yesterday. <laughs> that somebody else has to put their head above the parapet and take some blame? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's uh, nothing new from Conte, though, is it? Isn't, it, isn't this kind of how it played out at Chelsea? Yeah. Uh, well, he had success at Chelsea. A lot. I can't remember how exactly it played out, but... Yeah, I was intrigued by his. I was intrigued by the timing of his comments about other in England. It's only the manager that takes the blame. Right. Basically, is what you'd be saying. Is that how it should be? Well, look. Like, does he have a point? I don't know. I'm not quite sure who sticks their head above the parapet in other countries. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, to, to the to the point of what I tweeted yesterday was. He takes responsibility for tactics. He takes responsibility for the first half. He takes responsibility for substitutions. All these things. They're his yeah. responsibility. Their performance, their style of play, their results. These are all his responsibilities. Team selection. And it's, it's up to him to answer the questions when these are not good enough. No? Gab, you're fluent in Conte. You well, want to translate? Yeah, look, uh, I, I'm going to translate. I'm not going to justify here because obviously Conte already uh, managed in England for, for, for two seasons. Uh, so he knows what it's like. But uh, what happens elsewhere, and I think it's very much a double-edged sword because there's too many people talking, is that uh, after a game, before a game, um, and I think pretty much the same thing in, in, in Spain as well, also in Germany, uh, you, you get a lot more of, you get sporting directors talking, you get club presidents or CEOs talking, yeah. you yeah. get technical directors talking, and the role of the, the, the sporting director or, or, or technical director, you know, these guys are at the training ground every day, and they'll often, um, or, or, or they'll occasionally pipe up, they talk about relationships between players, uh, they'll talk about sporting goals. Obviously, they don't get into things like the tactics or substitutions because that's the remit um, of the coach, right? Uh, but, you know, you look at Darren Fletcher has been a mute, for example, at Manchester United for the past year. But, you know, in theory anyway, you know, he was right there all along, sometimes even sitting on the bench and, you know, in his technical director role or, or whatever they call it now. 
Um, it is very much a double-edged sword. Some, some coaches don't like it because, you know, they say, I'm in charge. You just get me the players. Um, other coaches uh, do, do see it as a way of taking pressure off them. We often see managers being asked questions that maybe, you know, about a player that, that, that maybe don't uh, okay. pertain directly to football. Um, and, and, and so sometimes, you know, you welcome that. Um, in this case, it is a little bit odd given that, you know, the guy who, uh, who is his sporting director, Fabio Paratici, is, is a guy who uh, Conte has worked with at Juventus before, and, you know, he's in charge of the recruitment. If, you have, if you're talking about recruitment, then complain about recruitment. If there are issues within the squad involving players that are not non-football issues, then, you know, I could see you might want somebody to get somebody else to talk if there's legal implications or whatever. Otherwise, you're a big boy. You know, explain them. Um, they flat. I lost Gab there for a second. Yeah, no, but it just seems. Uh, sorry, Jan. It just seems to me uh, that he's he's trying to. It's the old Conte trick when things are not going particularly well. He's trying to shift some of the shoulder and shift some of the weight and some of the blame and some of the pressure, kind of somewhere else. When, quite frankly, and look. No, the ownership at Tottenham is not perfect. You know, Joe Lewis, he, he, he's never been, you hardly ever see him. Daniel Levy's had a lot of criticism. The ownership is, is far from perfect. But show me, the, the majority of clubs, the ownership, right, and structure is not perfect. And they're quiet. You, you've just got to right. deal with it. Yeah. I think the point here is that they don't speak, but that's everywhere. Like, well, look, I don't, I, I, I don't well, think Tottenham fans, yeah. I, I, I think Tottenham fans are looking and saying, look, why does it take us 45 minutes or an hour to start pressing and playing better? Why are we continually going yeah. behind? <laughs> Why are we playing a, this, you know, this brand of football is still a little pedestrian. Uh, you know, the results have slowed up of, of late. The manager himself is stalling on contracts. There's lots of things. We sit here almost every Tottenham game, not all, but quite a lot going, why, why are they not doing this at the start of games? And, and mm. ultimately, you can't get a, 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 a chief executive or a chief financial officer or a director of football to come out and tell the fans why they're playing in a certain way. You can, all right, mm. we can paint a picture about uh, that, oh, this is the direction of the club and they can come out and talk about that. And listen, most of the time, it's a lot of baloney mm. just to please people. The bottom line is here, Conte has to take responsibility for what's on the field. Whether he's got the best squad or not, we know he hasn't. He still has to take that responsibility, yeah. in my opinion. But, but Go ahead, I Jan. think that, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's a quite interesting discussion because I think that Conte, I'm with Craig, all about sports and everything should be done from the manager. That's a lot of these managers that want this power and the power comes that they have to explain that to the fans. For example, yes, with, with Tottenham, why they always play with two different halves. I mean, that is an unbelievable stat, what, what they, they do have. But I think that Conte has a point that the pressure on the English managers or the, also the, the managers in England to talk about everything, if that is fixtures or that is something with UEFA, if it's super league. Remember when we had the big Super League debate, it was only the managers who were going out there. I, I guess some of these managers have never heard of the Super League before they saw that their club was a part of something new that the fans were against, the journalists were against, all the pundits uh, were against. But I must also say that I'm a big, big fan of Conte. I've interviewed a lot of these managers and Conte is always, yes, he knows every trick in the book. Of course he does. He, he likes the blame game and everything. I mean, my record with him was when he blamed the cameraman. He said, you can ask him and I said do you and I said do you want me to ask the cameraman no 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 I'm yes you know what I mean so he has a blame game but but I love him I think that if he, he's so passionate he's in there yes he plays a game sometimes as well but he is depressed when he when he sees that he's part of a Tottenham team now remember he was at Inter Juventus Chelsea I probably maybe forgot a team where they had this winning culture and he's always always talking about that he has to build that up up in himself at Tottenham. He don't feel that he gets the help he needed based on the history and the culture. So I think that he's, he's a bit depressed now um, on Senor Conte. Manchester City then hosting Spurs on Thursday. Why don't we take a look at some of the predictions 
right around the ESPN FC <laughs> stable. Wow, not a lot of confidence. There's a lot of, there's a lot of threes in there. In Tottenham. <laughs> a lot of goals for Manchester City uh, is what I see. Jan, Craig, Frank, Stevie, Stewart, and Gab all picking Manchester City. Of course, we'll be covering that game on tomorrow's edition of ESPN FC, which we remind you is available seven days a week. Do not miss a single episode. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now let's take a look now at the bottom half of the La Liga table. Why? Because that's where we find Cadiz and Elche, who are both in the relegation zone. Well, on Monday they played to what we're calling a very controversial 1-1 draw. Why? Elche's Ezequiel Ponce scored this late equalizer in the 81st minute. And it stood, despite the fact that replays very clearly showed offside. Now, pretty clear right there. Not every day that a Elche Cadiz game will get on the front page of Marca, but it did here. Esto no se puede fallar. This you cannot miss. As uh, Cadiz and Elche with a rare appearance on the front page. Can you imagine if it was Real Madrid or Barcelona? Holy mackerel. Can you imagine? For more on this, we welcome into the show. Oh. Sid Lowe. Sid, what's been the reaction across Spain? I have to imagine it's been quite something if these two teams are on the front page. Yeah, it's been absolutely huge. I mean, the starting point with this was the, was the president of Cardiff, Mamor Vizcaino, basically saying essentially what you're saying. You know, imagine if this had been a bigger club. Imagine if we mattered. And his initial point was that clubs like us are just treated like by the Federation as if we don't exist. And it's about time we did. And he actually started saying that he wanted the points back. He wanted the game replayed. Um, but the, the, the fallout has been huge. And of course, I suppose the fallout has been huge in part because for, for so long, even when people weren't happy about refereeing decisions, there was always an understanding that it was human error. But as soon as you start introducing the VAR, you create the idea that it has to be perfect. So when things start going wrong, it's not enough just to say, well, it went wrong, it can happen. And this has created a huge backlash and it's partly created a backlash because it's fed into that, if you like, that divide that there already is in Spanish football. So you have the complaints from Cadiz, you then have the federation who are behind the referees, the, the Comité Técnico de Arbitros, who they came out and said, yes, this was a mistake. But then they said, we want the league to give us the semi-automatic offsides and to pay for the technology to do it. In other words, there's this kind of sense that says, well, it's not our fault, it's the league's fault. And this brings us back into that battle between the league and the federation, to which the league basically comes out and says, well, how about you have a look at yourselves? So now everybody's pointing the finger at everybody else. It's everybody's fault and no one anywhere is going to allow this to just be one of those things that happens and it's continuing to run and run and run partly as i say because it feeds in despite not being in barcelona into that thing that absolutely obsesses everybody in spain which is refereeing and the var sid as far as the <laughs> fallout here uh, what's going to happen to the referees if anything and is there any chance that Gadis gets what they want which is i guess the last nine minutes of this game to get replayed well, very unusually, we got, a, we got a, an apology from the referee today, uh, an open letter from him that was talking about how he had felt terrible about this, how he felt very bad about the mistake that was made and that the only person um, that, that, you know, that he was the one person feeling the worst in this whole thing and he was very self-critical. But then he also moved on from that to say, I will not accept people questioning, if you like, our integrity. We can make a mistake, but I won't accept anyone questioning integrity, which I think tells you something about the way the refereeing collective, and, and by the way, I think they're right, the way the refereeing collective feel like people 
weighed in on them. The way that the referee and collective feels like that there's a, a kind of a media environment, a fan environment that's not prepared to see things as mistakes and always wants to see a conspiracy, always wants to see some sort of plot against them. So that's that part of it done. And, and I think there's definitely some soul searching going on. I think there's definitely big questions being asked about this. And I think this was an inevitable consequence in a way of VAR because you offer a promise of perfection which is a myth, even with VAR. And that's part of the problem, though. It's much more difficult to accept those mistakes than it ever was before. The next stage in terms of the question of what happens now with Cardiff, well, they're talking about the possibility of taking this uh, down a legal route. If it goes down a legal route, I, don't, I genuinely don't see a way in which they can win. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any option of them playing those last, last nine minutes within the normal sporting route. I think if it goes down a legal route, I don't see how they can win. Not least, of course, because one thing we know about the law, quite apart from anything else, is that it's pretty slow. So even if this was to end up going through that whole process, at what point do they get to the, the, the stage in which they can actually start talking about whether this needs to be, you know, there needs to be some retribution or whether there needs to be the chance to replay the game. I, I just find it almost impossible to imagine that we reach that point. I remember when VAR was going to come out and I remember... It's going to solve all your problems. <laughs> I remember somebody saying, we'll never have anything to talk about again with right. referees right. <laughs> uh, because all these decisions yeah. said said... People thought they were going to be 100% uh, correct and validated, and they're not. Uh, however, some of the decisions, of course, are subjective. Uh, but when it comes down to, you know, putting some lines across the field. It's tough. To, tough one to miss. It, you, know. you ever get an apology letter from a referee? Uh, funny enough, uh, no. And I never, uh, I never wrote one either. Yeah. Funny you should say that. But I would be annoyed myself if that was me, for sure. No. I mean, come on. No. Do your job. Yeah. Frustrating, for sure. Big day in the Copa del Rey on Thursday. The big boys in action. Barcelona taking on Cueta, the third tier, and then the marquee matchup. Real Madrid against Villarreal. That one, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And the injury list continues to pile up for Carlo Ancelotti and company. Some big names missing. And some big names missing, Sid, at a critical time. If you look ahead to Real Madrid's schedule, especially in the league coming up, this is, this is not a good time for Carlo Ancelotti and company to be dealing with all these injuries, is it? No, I mean, Real Madrid, obviously, every team in Spain has, has a really packed uh, fixture list at this stage of the season because they, they, they compress the whole of the Copa del Rey into the first weeks of, into the whole of January and the first couple of weeks of February as well. And so you get that, that, that intensity of games for everybody in Spain. But of course, when you've got a team like Real Madrid, who then are going on into the Champions League as well, it just continues. It runs right in to, to those meetings with Liverpool in, in the Champions League. They've, of course, on top of that, you've got to add two other elements. One is the fact they've just come back from Saudi Arabia in the Super Cup and the two games that they played there. They've got to go and play the Club World Cup as well, which will be at least one game, could be two. So it becomes very, very compressed for them. And of course, this is off the back of the World Cup, where I think I'm right in saying, I think they had 13 players, maybe 14 players at the World Cup. Up. Now, not all of them playing starring roles, and of course, one or two who didn't go, like Tony Cruz, and in the end, Karim Benzema went and came back. But I think I think that that that's a lot of. I that's a, a lot of games for those players. It's a big concern for Ancelotti, not least, of course, because you look at the way they've played since they came back from the World Cup, and they haven't been particularly good at all. Sid, we're talking about injuries and fatigue. Those are obviously real. Is there anything else you can put your finger on as to why Real Madrid have been struggling so much of late after what was a great start to the season? It was a good start to the season, although it's, it's also true, I think, uh, in some of those games that we weren't always entirely convinced by them. But this is also one of the reasons, by the way, why, why, why I think there's a, there's a risk of getting too carried away now. You look back on Real Madrid at this stage last season, and they weren't particularly good in January either. There was a period of the season last year where we watched and we thought... They're not right. They're not playing particularly well. And then they, by the end of the season, of course, they've won, they've won the European Cup. They've won La Liga. They won La Liga really quite comfortably in the end, even if we weren't always impressed. Even if you can look back at the European Cup campaign and, and, and you know, analytically at least, you can say, well, we still don't really know how they did it. We don't know how they got through PSG. We don't know how they got through City. We don't know how they got through Chelsea. But in La Liga, at least, they were comfortably, by the end of the season, the best team in it. So I think it would be unwise to look at this now and think there's something really badly wrong. We're listening to people the other day in Spain asking Ancelotti if this was the end of an era. And, and obviously, look, you can look at the age of some of the players and, and you can sort of justify that kind of analysis. But I think it does go over the top. And the amount of times we've been in this position before in the last four or five years where you get a week in which... 
let's say for argument's sake, Real Madrid play someone really big on the Saturday, then they play someone pretty big in midweek, then they play someone really big on the Saturday again, and then they've got a big Champions League game the next day, you know, four games, wow, by the end of next week, their season could be over. And what tends to happen? They win the first one, they win the second one, they win the third one, they win the fourth one, and instead of the season being over, by the end of that period in which we think, God, this could be really terrible for Real Madrid, it turns out to be really good. I had a flashback when he said end of an era. I feel like we've done a segment at this time of year each of the last two, three seasons. Oh, I thought you were going to say Barcelona. No, I mean, because we did do, uh, no, I'm not going to put any boys in it that are not here. Right. But there was, there was some people who threw the end of an era out a, a, a little bit too quickly with Barcelona, and then they went on to win quite a few trophies. Well, with Real Madrid, it seems like there's always a point in the season where they don't convince, as he says. They don't impress. They always seem to claw their way out of it. You see yeah. that happening again this season? Well, one of the, well I'm, I'm not convinced, no. Uh, but you weren't convinced last year, were you? Yeah, but Barcelona were poorer last year. Okay, all right. They, they, they've, they've made some steps. They've got, a better, they've got one of the best strikers in. We saw the performance of Pedri and Gavi again. They've bolstered the squad. They did all those financial levers in the summer, all that nonsense. So they've made a step. The question now is, can Real Madrid pick up and go up another gear. I'm, I'm not sure they can. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Atletico Madrid then advancing in the Copa del Rey as we take a look at the top half of the La Liga table. Atleti right now fourth, fighting for one of those Champions League spots, 13 points back of Barcelona. But they may indeed be getting some help from Barcelona as it looks like Memphis Depay is set to make the move from Barcelona to Atleti. So, Sid, uh, what is this? Memphis Depay is going to be the difference as Atletico chases down that, that fourth spot? That's certainly what they hope. And of course, you look at Atletico Madrid and over the last, well, I was going to say the last three or four weeks, but of course it goes beyond that. But, but Atletico, until tonight, I think the last three games, they'd had 30 shots and, and only scored, I think I'm right in saying it was one goal in that time. There's a real sense that they weren't taking their chances. That they don't really have a strike. Of course, Jal Felix had just gone to Chelsea. And if I tell you that Jal Felix, who isn't really an out and out number nine, isn't really a striker as such, was their top scorer in 2022. Uh, I think with only 12 goals, so it's not a huge amount. They've got Morata, who averages 11, 12 goals a season. So, yes, you're talking about a number nine, but maybe not someone who's prolific. You've got Antoine Griezmann, whose games without a goal, I think, goes back almost 30 games down with the club. Now, a very, very good player, but, of course, not really playing in an out-and-out -out forward position. So they need someone who can provide those goals for them. Now, the doubts that come with Memphis Depay, of course, are the fact that essentially since Xavi Hernandez took over at Barcelona, we've not seen him play, which is one of the reasons why he wants to move on. It's one of the reasons why Barcelona are relatively happy for him to move on. And also, from what we've seen of him throughout his career, we're not entirely sure if he's an out-and-out -out number nine, if that's the natural role he'll play. But from Atletico Madrid's point of view, this is hugely important. I must admit, from Barcelona's point of view, there's a bit of me that thinks, I wonder how much of this they're allowing to happen because he's already played for them in the Copa del Rey, so he can't face them in the Copa del Rey. Bear in mind that the last two strikers that Barcelona are allowed to go to Atletico Madrid, one was David Villa, who won the league with Atletico Madrid the following season, ahead of Barcelona. The other was Luis Suarez, who won the league with Atletico Madrid the following season, ahead of Barcelona. So I suspect they're probably thinking, please don't let this happen again with Memphis Depay. <laughs> Sid, let's, uh, let's stick here with Atleti, because there's some reports now about who might be the guy that comes in to replace Diego Simeone if he does leave. Luis Enrique. What's been the reaction to this, not just around Spain, but I'm very curious specifically from Atleti fans, because this would seem like a total 180. Well, a total 180, I suppose, in, in style terms, in terms of the, the, the approach to the way that they play. Yes, I think in terms of personality, there are certain parallels, certain similarities to them. And so in that sense, I think Luis Enrique is someone who would fit with the Atletico identity 
in those terms, if not necessarily in the in the kind of the philosophy of play, I think as well we we need to slightly divorce the two things because of course these are two very big things. One is the continuity or not of Diego Simeone, and the other, of course, in the event of Simeone going, that I have absolutely no doubt at all that Atletico Madrid fans would have one hundred percent welcome the arrival of Luis Enrique, even if he's someone who's someone who divides opinions. I think he is someone who, broadly speaking, is seen as a really good coach, and for a club like Atletico Madrid, this would be seen as, wow, this is this is elite level to, to replace Simeone. But of course, as I say, that the, the future of Simeone kind of comes first. And Atletico Madrid's fan base, even those who are not sure that they want Simeone to continue in terms of the way the team is playing, in terms of that idea that he's been here for a long time, for him to go, it has to happen the right way after everything he's done. I cannot stress enough how he has completely changed this club Possibly, well, maybe not forever, that would be a bit of a step too far, but completely change this club for the foreseeable future. And I think Atletico Madrid fans, even those who think don't want Simeone to continue, need it to be done the right way. Once that happens, absolutely Luis Enrique would be welcome. Sid, which way are you leaning? you think Diego Simeone comes back next season or do you think this is the end for him at Atleti? I think this is a really difficult one because I think, again, talking about it happening the right way, I think Atletico Madrid are in a position where they cannot force him out. I think they can show him the door, they can encourage him to go, they can talk about the circumstances, but I think it has to be, and just as importantly, it has to be seen to be Diego Simeone's decision. And there is a bit of me that thinks that maybe he will feel the time is right and, and he's been there longer than anyone could ever, ever, ever imagine. Longer than any manager's been at a club for as long as I can remember. I, I genuinely cannot remember the last time a manager was there at a club anywhere near as long as this in Spain, possibly even ever, I must, I must confess. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. And I think it needs to be done the right way and it needs to be his decision or seem to be his decision. The other thing that I think mitigates against it is I think Simeone needs to go feeling like he's gone not necessarily at the top because he's not going to be at the top, but gone having done something and not gone with that sense of that last season being a disappointment, which is why it feels to me like he's more likely to go if he can get them back in the Champions League and win the Copa del Rey than if he can't. All right, thank you very much, Sid. Busy week in Spain. We got uh, Copa del Rey, of course, on Thursday and then the league back in action starting on Friday as Mallorca faces off. Against Celta de Vigo, the big boys in action on Sunday. Barcelona hosting Getafe. Real Madrid visiting Athletic Club de Bilbao. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Leeds United, big winners in the third round of the FA Cup. 5-2 over Cardiff City after racing out to a 5-0 lead to start the match. Let's hear from Leeds manager Jesse Marsh after the game. Jesse, it feels a big night for you. I think for us, uh, you know, I feel like it's a big night for us. And the players have felt more confident and more belief in what we're trying to achieve. I think they're, they've been clear, um, but we haven't always been able to get the points. So it, it puts stress into the environment. However, 
on the inside and you know even there was some reports the ridiculous reports this week that like the players are against me and this is a bunch of bs right like here we are totally been together from day one and that's one of the things i love about being here is that we're so unified on the inside from top to bottom so you know i just want the players to be rewarded for their work and for their belief and so that's what we got today it's a bunch of BS, Craig. What do you think of Jesse Marsh there hitting back at his critics? <laughs> well, first of all, he's right about getting the result uh, for, the, for the momentum. I've always felt the Leeds players are with him, fighting for him, working hard. And as he said, not always getting the results. But I've always felt, particularly recently, they're working hard and they're playing for the manager. So I, I, don't, I don't buy that. Mm. Yeah, and you're a big Jesse Marsh guy. How confident are you that he's going to make it through the season? Well, that's two different questions. Uh, I will confirm the first one. I like Jesse Marsh. I always did. I always loved to speak to him because he's so passionate about his game. But listen, his interviews also, when he said we are so unified, he's also talking to his players and his club to stay unified. But I'm with Craig. I've been a couple of times to Leeds United. They want him to succeed uh, from, from the whole sporting staff there and the club and the fans. They want him. But if you have a look at the table, it's very close down there. And mm -hmm. the problem with Leeds United sometimes, you never know which team's coming out. You will know they will come with this passion. They will know they will go all in and they will be so intense and everything. But sometimes you just have to drag out these three points here one point here and that is um, i grew up being a leeds united fan so I, I i'm with him i want leeds united to stay in that premier league so uh, but it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a tough we're half of the season i guess the leeds united will be down there somehow uh, and I, I i can't see them put together a run of three four wins i think that this leeds what we've seen so far this is the one we will get to for the rest of the season yeah, it will be a fight to the end of the season. And, and listen, at the end of the day, they'll win games, they'll lose games. It'll go down to the wire, probably. But I go back to the point when I see them play, I see them play with energy. They're yeah. going to make mistakes. And uh, they, they haven't brought in a bunch of big signings. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it should be fine just yet. Big games coming up. Brentford, Nottingham Forest. Those feel like two big ones. Well, particularly Nottingham Forest. Yeah. You know, Brentford yeah. are not going to be in the rele Brentford aren't in the relegation fight. They're a good side. Nottingham Forest, the uh, signing gurus of the Premier League, well Chelsea <laughs> apart, uh, talking about bringing in talking about bringing in Caleb Navas now in right. goal because they've got an injury to Dean Henderson. So they're prepared. Unlike, you know, Leeds have got what they've got. There might be some movement, but Forest are prepared to go out and spend. That's the difference. But yeah, they, they're some big games. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The race in the Bundesliga heating up. Iron Munich four points clear of second place Freiburg. There'll be Leipzig against Bayern Munich Friday, 30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2 as well as here on ESPN+. Of course, Bayern Munich making some adjustments. They've signed Jan Sommer to replace the injured Manuel Neuer. Julian Nagelsmann asked about integrating a goalie. Here's what he had to say, quote, 15 minutes, it's definitely not rocket science that you have to study for six months. Great. Shaka Hislop would be very, very disappointed to hear that. Uh, Jan, how big a signing is this for Bayern Munich? Well, this is a necessary signing to, to remind uh, people about what happened. Manuel Neuer, after the World Cup, had a great idea that he could go skiing. And then he injured himself and he said, I can't believe I injured myself because I was only walking skiing. And then they, they looked around. They get Jan Sommer. Jan Sommer is 34. His contract is up in the summer. He's a Gladbach goalkeeper. And, and Gladbach say, yes, we are ready to let you have him, but we need a replacement. And the last couple of days, they found a goalkeeper, I think he's Olmi from Montpellier, who will replace him at Gladbach. And for, for Jan Sommer, this is 
Of course, of course, a chance to win some titles. Uh, got a half a year of his contract in Gladbach, so that's good business for Gladbach too. And I think this is a feeling where, because if you get a Swiss national goalkeeper, they had a chance they could take back Nübel. They could go with Sven Ullerreich for, for six months. But he got a longer-term contract. I think that Barry, Bayern is a bit worried that Manuel Neuer will come back mm. in the shape that he, he used to be, that he'd be the good goalkeeper. He's 36. It takes time. And I got a feeling that that injury that he got in, in the Leuper is, uh, is a bit more worrying. Uh, with Jan Sommer, they got a great shoot stopper, uh, a fantastic football player, fantastic attitude. So I think that is a, absolutely a, a good replacement for Manuel Neuer. Hmm. Just 15 minutes. 15 minutes, that's all it takes to integrate a goal. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, uh, Seb, if I, if I, I just could... Show, sorry, Greg. I, I spoke to Manuel Neuer when Pep Guardiola came to, to the club. And, and he said... Uh, and I asked him, how, how much have you talked to Pep about your role? And he said, I had one meeting with him and it was all how I'm going to do with my feet. How I'm going to have to play <laughs> up there. So I think, that, I think that the Nagelsmann will use the, the Pep formula. That was to all those people out there... Nagelsmann that, that, that think everything is rocket science right. and everything is, <laughs> is super complicated and systems and go. Yeah, I mean, there's a connection between, you know, communication, you know, issue, I suppose. But if you have a good Swiss international goalkeeper and you have international players at the back, guess what? Communication should come naturally. So, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. Jan Sommer then set to join Bayern Munich from Gladbach for right around 10 million euros when it's all said and done. Let's take a look at the Bundesliga schedule. The upcoming week, as we mentioned, Leipzig. Well, they've had a good rest. They have, yes. They've had a good rest. <laughs> Need a little break there. Full set of games for you on Saturday and then a good doubleheader for you on Sunday as well. Dortmund hosting Augsburg. Gladbach hosting Bayer Leverkusen and that Leipzig Bayern Munich game again available for you on ESPN 2. Right, from Germany, let's go to Italy. The Italian Super Cup Wednesday in Saudi Arabia. Inter Milan dominant, at least on the score sheet. 3 0 the final score over their city rivals. Goals from DiMarco Jeco and then Lautaro Martinez, an absolute golazo in the second half uh, as Inter. Finished off AC Milan 3-0. For more on this, check out the next edition of the Gab and Jules show, where we hope Gab's glow point actually does it from in-studio, right? So whether his camera goes down or not won't affect him. Yeah. He will surely be wearing Eagles gear, big Philadelphia Eagles fan that uh, Gab is on his show with Jules. Make sure to download that. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What about the women's game? U.S. women's national team getting ready. This is a World Cup year. First game of the 2023 slate. Sees them go to New Zealand and win 4 0. Wasn't easy. Had to wait till the second half to get the goals. Well, it's, it should, should damn looks easy to me if you're just looking at the stats. Uh, you got to look at the times when the goals fell, Craig. Mallory Pugh now. Yeah, Mallory. they were just. Swanson with a goal in the 52nd. That was the first goal of the game. She added another 10 minutes after that. Alex Morgan, Lynn Williams. Rounding out the scoring as the U.S. wins 4-0. Oh, there you go. Go and promo yourself. We will be talking about it on the next edition of Football Americas. We'll have to bring you on so you can talk about listen, not just the U.S. women, but Heather Navas, listen, that, Jesse Marsh. Listen, that's... I mean... <laughs> that, that shtick about me coming on is getting old now. I'm just... I've been on it. But you talk about everything we want to talk about. No, I don't. There I don't. You know. I, like, I like to give you and Hercules the platform Thank that you, you. deserve. Oh, you, yes. If, if ever Greg was about anything, it was about giving me a platform. As long as you don't have to share it with me, right? Then, then it's all Well, I've heard about you in Qatar, so I'm definitely... Steady, steady. Speaking of steady, we'll be having some fun coming up here. Extra time is next. We take your questions from Twitter. You ready? Well, I'm going to have to be, aren't I? Good little list here. Don't go far. Hey there, everybody. Welcome into this Bye. edition of ESPN FC's Extra Time. I had to get it in. So. Jan's back. Jan's back. Where's Gab? 
He had a few technical issues. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he was in mid-sentence to drop the black. That's yeah, that was me. That was me. Oh, you I, I got a little button under here. Oh, hey. Just press it. Talent has so much power and influence here at ESPN. It's always been that way. None more so than Greg Burley. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Sean asks our first question here. How big of a blow will not having Casemiro at the Emirates be for United? Is Odegaard destined to run riot over Fred and McTominay? What do you think? Well, huge. And I mean, the question is, is how does he replace him? Because they haven't got a player that's clearly as good as Casemiro. So does he then play uh, two guys in there and change the shape a little bit, play McTominay and Fred? Or does he just play out of the two? I'm guessing it's probably going to be Fred. I might be wrong. What do you think he does? Replace him with two guys or replace him with one? Because if you replace with two, you got to pull somebody off, right? And like you don't yeah, want to take Christian Eriksen out of that midfield. No, but then it's you're playing the best team in the country at the moment. Right, right. And their strongest part of their team, I think, if you watch them in the North London Derby again, for those that saw it, Partey, Xhaka and Odegaard are the best three ball at the moment. Not yeah. saying they're the most talented right. and the greatest ever, but they're currently better than any other midfield operating in the Premier League. Jan, so. can United win yeah. without well, Casemiro? No, I'm 100% with Craig. I mean, that midfield of Arsenal, and I will start there because, of course, they need Casemiro. Ten Hag said straight after the game, we won against Arsenal without Casemiro. I mean, he, he knows his stuff straight away after the game. But I, 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 I'm so... Yes, Martin Odegaard scored eight goals in, in, in the Premiership. Partey, I mean, fantastic. But Shaka has impressed me so much. The way he's kind of defined his new role in the team. They've taken away his captaincy and he's still, and still there. And the way they work together, yes, they would have needed uh, Casemiro in, in there. Uh, but I still think that uh, Arsenal will be the favourite for this game, 100%. You know the Odegaard career story, right? It all started in Jan's living room. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As Jan tells yeah. it, anyway. No, well, he's he didn't the start of his career. No, no, no. He, yeah, he, he he does, but it's a quite interesting career because it's a lot of players. You need some time, and and I love the way in America, in USA, you need to keep fresh for 22, 23 after your college. But he was a wonder kid. We took. I was the team manager of the national team when he was 15. I worked with a national coach, and we took him in just to not getting under control, but we have to help him. We tried to help him with all the staff that we had. And Seb is right, when he was 16, he was in my living room. There were four candidates where he should go. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Liverpool. I never heard those choices. Uh, and he went where they had the best second team. And the best teacher is in Zinedine Zidane. But Arsenal was one of the candidates. I know he's the captain there. He's an amazing story, boys. Well, you certainly didn't tell him to go to Barnsley, did you, Jan? <laughs> I, I told him to go, and I told him first to start in Swindon, like I did, to get through the go. magic roundabout. You can't do that, Craig. For Jan, is Erling Haaland's current slump the result of poor service and City lacking dynamic play in recent weeks? Or does Pep need to change things up to create better opportunities for Haaland? What do you well, think? Well, we have to do. Well, we have to understand the story of, of how, how it's working in England. After the first charity shield, Nunez was the biggest hit of them all. And Erling Haaland was a flop. That was after one game in English football. Erling has broken all records. Then he had a couple of games now without scoring, scoring goals. I think there is a lot of small details that may be a, a bit out of form now at Manchester City. And... I guess if if we speak tomorrow, you'll see that he has been on the score sheet again. So, of all the worries Manchester City got, Erling Haaland is not one of them. I think Guardiola has has uh, broached this subject this week and said, "Look, we need to move the ball quicker as a team. Yeah. We need to pass it quicker, pass it better. Because, and that's a strange thing to say about Man City, but their passing has been poor in the last couple mm. of games. We need to pass it quicker, pass it sharper." Get, get through the lines better, get it wide and start doing what they were doing at the start of the season. And then you'll see Erling Haaland getting back to his best again. But I think the way City have played in the last couple of games has been frustrating for him to watch. And he has been watching a lot of it. He hasn't been involved in a lot of the play. But I think we, we may, might be wrong, we may see a different City and Erling Haaland against Tottenham but what tomorrow. Was it? 
What was quite interesting, Craig, at uh, at the Manchester derby, what what I didn't understand, I don't think that it was just. Erling Haaland was too deep. He somehow yeah. he somehow wanted to have more touches on the ball, and that that was natural for him. It was just if you remember it after three four minutes, it was all back in his back four wanted just to have a touch on the ball. So I think they have to find the balance. As but as you saying to say that Manchester City is passing the ball too slow is just like when you say it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be said. But they have to find him earlier as well because he's doing his runs and they're just waiting a bit doing that extra pass and uh, yeah they have to get going again and well tomorrow to get Spurs is be very very important for them to, to to get that going bad timing for Spurs I think yeah yeah <laughs> I, think, I, I think he's got this big boot Pep Guardiola at the training ground right I'm, I'm trying to show yeah. you he's got this huge big boot he puts it on and he just got never mind the data never mind the sports sciences never mind the times G never mind this he goes round and he just Boots them right up the backside because mm-hmm. I think that's what they've been getting after their recent performances. And you may see some changes to this uh, city side when it comes out tomorrow against Tottenham. I think so. Phil, I think Phil Foden for one could be out. Big player for them, but he's been poor. Uh, De Bruyne won't be, but he's not been great. Maybe Bernardo Silva. So I think there's going to be some changes for this uh, city team, but not Haaland. Yeah. I think he could play. He could end up playing with both Alvarez and Haaland tomorrow. I mean, just to freshen things up a bit. Yep, I'd like to see that. Anyway. Well, watch it then. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the feedback there. Are you here tomorrow? I am not. Oh. Your worst fears can be put to bed. <laughs> Listen, you should don't 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 put that out there. You, you're always on the back foot. You know what Hold I on. said to him. You know what I said to him, Jan. I came into the office today, uh, and. The first face I saw was Sebi's. What a moment for you. You were walking and I said, I came in the door and I says, what was it I said? What's new? Because I haven't seen you everywhere. I said, what's new? And you went, oh, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Oh there was a reason I said that. We don't have to get into it on air. Oh my I God. I said, what, I said, what's new? I mean, it's like. What you didn't see is that Craig and I were, were dapping it up. We had our arms around each other. We were celebrating in the back here. So. It was a good moment for us. Well, I mean, you were straight on the back foot. You fixed your bayonet, and I went, I'm going to try to be. What's new? <laughs> I was but looking for some well, scandal. Hey, uh, boys, boys, it's mm-hmm. the middle of the night here, and you're bubbling away. Uh, could oh, we have another way, question, co- please? What country What country in? Jan? I'm in Norway. I'm in Norway, and ah. tomorrow morning I'm going to Manchester again, doing uh, a great game between Manchester City and Tottenham. So you're in Manchester on Saturday. Yeah, uh, uh, now I do uh, City Spurs tomorrow. I do Liverpool Chelsea on Saturday, and then I'm doing City against Wolves on Sunday, and then I go home again. All right, now that we've got Jan's travels, get, right? Give him, a, give him a question. Right. He wants to go to his bed. Okay. Accusing us no, of no, rambling. No. I want rich. you to go uh, to bed. <laughs> for Craig, with the signing of Mudrick, <laughs> do you think this could be the end for Raheem Sterling at Chelsea? Uh, mm. uh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, uh, put on needs all hands on deck. He's got a lot of injuries. Uh, Mudrick is very raw. You don't know how he's going to be when he comes in. He's a talented player, but he's, he's quite raw. So it's not certainly not the end of Sterling. But I don't think we'll see the Sterling we saw at Man City again. I just is that think surprised that... by you? Sorry? Are you surprised by that? No, because at City, he's been playing with better players. When they were, when they were playing really well, playing the ball fast and dominating teams. And this Chelsea side is... It's not that, so, and he's getting a little bit older, so no. Quick game of start, bench, sell. Jan, Bruno Fernandes, Odegaard, De Bruyne. Start one, bench one, sell one. Oh, that's tough. Uh, I would start, start, I have to start Odegaard, don't I? I have to start Odegaard. <laughs> there it is. Is this in current form or just yes, in general? I would, yeah, good question. Let's, question, let's Craig, go because I, I would do it on current let's form. Current, form. current yeah. form, I would... Oh, this is a tough one. I have to Ooh. start Odegaard because I think at the moment he's the best midfielder in England. Uh, uh, oh, that is a hard one. Uh, I couldn't tell. Bruno Fernandes going for you. Cannot sell the bro. Yes, yeah. no, no. Cannot sell the bro. On current form, I'm. This is. In current sell, form, yeah. I'm starting Odegaard. 
I'm benching Fernandez and I'm selling De Bruyne. Yeah. What is Kurt Cameron on the son. last three weeks? But he did create the, no, no, he did create the goal. Well, we're talking about the World Cup as well. Okay. Now, that's not just his fault because Belgium were a shambles. Right. But it was a lovely chip for Grealish for the goal, but I, I just don't think he was himself even before he went to the World Cup. To be honest. Okay. Yeah, but remember, no. remember, Craig, uh, Craig, uh, Craig, at that time when when Pep Guardiola was a bit hard on him, he said y- 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 he's not at his best. I remember I went to that game and I had an interview with with him and I said to De Bruyne, Guardiola said, "You're not up to his best." Well, well, I scored today, didn't I? So yeah, I, I agree with you. He's not in his top form, and if in current form, I I, I can follow Craig. Okay. Well, his form at the moment for most of us is like fantastic. Right. Yeah. Relative. Relative to his standards. <laughs> yeah. For Craig, Seb's here today. So, yep, you guessed it. This is a Pulisic question. With Mudrick and Joao Felix joining Chelsea, does Pulisic have any chance of getting minutes once he's fit again? What needs to happen for Pulisic to get regular playing time? Well, that's an easy answer. Leave. Chelsea. Yes, the answer to that question is the same one as it was right. a month ago. Six months ago, 18 months ago. So he was getting minutes before he got hurt. He started three straight games. Yeah, listen, there, there, there you go. He answered it in a nutshell. He was getting minutes before he got hurt. He's always getting hurt. He got, guess what? He got hurt at the World Cup. All right, it was a nasty knock, but he got hurt. He's picking a lot of injuries up, whether it's from other people or on his own. By definition, this answer will not change for me. Right. He needs to go to a club where one, he can stay fit, and two, he knows he's going to play. And that is not Chelsea. And it's certainly not Chelsea under this new ownership. It's a scattergun approach to the squad, a lot of forward players. He's a good player. People shouldn't get the wrong impression about my Pulisic, Pulisic, Pulisic take. (laughs) What's that? Pulisic. Pulisic take. He's a good player. It just... If you want to play regular, you have to be at a, at a team where your talents merit playing every right. every week. And as you say, you stay healthy, right? Without that, you're not going to play. That's anymore. a big problem for him, you know. Totally. It's it, can't argue that. Nadim's interior decorator with our last question for Jan. What's something you're looking forward to as Bundesliga finally gets back in action this weekend? Yeah, well, it's, it's terms of player. I have to start there. I'm looking forward to see Jude Bellingham. It's going to be a very exciting month now coming up where he choose to go. I'm interested to see that process. Musiala, one of the biggest talent. I mean, he looks like Bambi, doesn't he? And he is magnificent. <laughs> Maybe one of the few players did well for, for Germany uh, at the World Cup. And it's a quite interesting thing developing in Dortmund. Dortmund who need should be the biggest challenger to, to Bayern Munich. They're, they're off the road. They start against Augsburg. They need results straight away or things could happen there. Sebastian Kehl, the new sporting director under pressure, Terzic, they took out Rosa and blah, 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 blah. So they need to win football games. So it's a look, uh, I'm so happy, Seb and Craig. I have two lovers in my life. It's the Premier League and the Bundesliga. So I'm so thrilled. Thank God, I thought he was about to say us. So are you going to the Bundesliga this weekend? Are you, or, ah, come on. No, I'm yeah. staying in England. You, you're sending so many people to Leipzig. I think you're good covered. There it is. Yeah, I think they are. There's a few people going. Derek Ray's going. Is he? Yeah, yeah. he's not mentioned. He's not mentioned that. No. He's not, he's not mentioned he's going to... He's not super, super excited. Robbo's going as well. What a so crew. that's going to be... What a pleasure that's going to be for Robbo. Uh, listen to Derek, uh, try to uh, teach him about the German culture. Well, just nailing those pronunciations. Because you know, when you're sitting next to Derek, you got to step up your pronunciation game. Absolutely. Go in there. No, no, no. When beat. you're sitting next to Derek, because I've worked with Derek for many, many years. You just stick to the first name. You and the have number. to stick to the pronunciation <laughs> that you want and stick two fingers up to his pronunciation <laughs> and stay strong. Love so it. we'll, we'll ro- here's a question for the, the the Leipzig Bayern game. Yes. Will Stuart Robson buckle? To the, I need to find the right words here. Right. To the slightly right. different pronunciation of Mr. Ray, or will Robbo mm. go all in on that? What do you think? Another thing uh, to watch. Will he stick yeah, to I his own guns? What another reason he, to tune in? Go in, all in, all in. Yeah, Rob is an all-in kind of guy. I think so. No, but it could not, be a showdown in the booth. Ray versus <laughs> Robson. 
Thank you to Jan. Thanks to Craig. Thanks to all of you guys for sending in your questions. We will be back with ESPN FC tomorrow. Big show coming your way. City and Spurs in the Premier League, plus Barcelona, as well as Real Madrid in action in the Copa del Rey. We will be covering it all. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 